Justin, I rarely come across a post that inspires me to reach out to the author immediately. And seeing and following your writing about the future of this blend of technology and human, the cyborg sales, really caught my attention. I was saw this firsthand in, a, in something you mentioned in your book about Google identifying this Google Assistant, which is able to really recognize the voice patterns and sound entirely human booking an appointment. Google Duplex. And I do think it's real. Sundar Pichai did a, a thing where, you know, the <laughs> he calls, it calls, I guess it's an artificial intelligence. It calls to make a hair appointment and it ca- calls to like, I think order food maybe. Um, so yeah, I like to joke a lot that I have the Neuralink and that the book is a duplex recording. This stuff is possible. The question is, it kind of has to be legalized, right? Because the Federal Trade Commission, if you were to start just having machines cold call people, you've got to have approval. But I think companies are testing it because this executive at another tech company, he claims he got a call and it was a robot. And I just can't believe it, but there's gotta be people testing this small batch programming speech recording to talk like an IVR. I think it'll be legalized and you'll be able to get a robocall that is customized, but it'll say, Hey, this is Justin Michael's AI. And if you identify and you're not trying to fool the consumer and I say, sure. And it starts to book an appointment for me. It reminds me of my hair appointment, probably need a haircut. And I just go, then I won't mind, right? It's like Amazon. If it's personalized and it shows me the shoe and it's relevant and I know it's not human, then I'm okay with it, right? So it's it's not about this stuff's going to happen in a hidden way. It's going to be possible. Yep. This conversation is really guided towards SDRs or inside sales reps based out of Tel Aviv, typically selling SaaS solutions. Right now, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is how do we most effectively ensure that we have a career in this industry in five to 10 years? What are the steps yeah. that need to be taking place now for sales professionals to ensure that they can build a career in this industry for the long term? And we're going to get very granular on that. Okay. So there is a futurist named Kai-Fu Lee. It turns out the human mind, so we can do solutioning, our empathy, our ability to, our ability to understand, to scope, to be creative, to be loving, you know, all these little capabilities really they can be synthesized by an AI. There's a book called Machine Platform Crowd. Artificial intelligence can write nursery rhymes for children. It can paint, it can create recipes, but there's a weird sterility to it because there's something human we do. And it's a lot like the dust and scratches on CGI while the new Star Wars movies look look great, but the ones like with Jar Jar Binks were almost too perfect. It looked CGI'd. So now they put in the dust and scratches. When humans make a selection to do art and to create, they do it from past experience, vast treasure troves of nostalgia and meaning and context. And so the artificial intelligence tends to put something together that's a bit, it's weird, it's alien, it's sterile. It, it, it makes associations that do work, but it's just not what we would do by custom after decades and hundreds of years of doing it a certain way. So it comes up with these awesome things. And, when, and that's very similar to selling, like the way we read people for cultural context and certain cues. So it's like this stuff can be done, but it probably won't be done. And the biggest thing from the book is artificial intelligence is not going to replace your job. It's going to take away that 70% of your job that is manual. Do you find yourself clicking a button a lot, scheduling meetings a lot? I mean, a lot of what you're doing is manual or repetitive tasks. You can look at a company like x.ai that has these scheduling assistants. 
they've kind of cracked that. It seems like it's hard. Like you're doing a lot of things, you're checking the calendar, you're doing, but that could all be programmed. Mm -hmm. If we strip away all the administrative and manual tasks of the sales job, what are we doing? This quality conversations. You're giving me problems. I'm asking questions. I'm peeling that back. As we start asking questions and going into this decisioning, it turns into infinite permutations of conversation. Now, open AI initiative we talk about in the book, it beat the game of go and go has so many permutations. It's like, you know, stars in the sky. It's still not emotive. It emotions get into these wild chaos systems where it's just, it's just like data on star Trek. Like he never quite gets the ability to fully be human. And so humanity is not at stake and you're not going to have a robot doing your job. It's going to look more like how in the original factories with Ford humans put on the hubcaps. But now if you see vehicle supply chain, you see really sophisticated robots doing the human tasks. Well, now the humans are building the parts to those robots or they're configuring the robots just like with Uber and self-driving cars. So each industrial revolution from the first to the fourth actually creates jobs. Because what happens is software as a service, SaaS eats these industries like trucking, shipping, you know, e-commerce, moving online. Satya Nadella, Microsoft said 10 years of digital transformation in two years, maybe two months, two years and two months or something like this. We're going to see more salespeople because we're going to have more software than ever. And somebody has to sell it, explain it and transact it. But it doesn't mean the things those sellers are doing have to be low level. It can be data science, analysis you know, pattern recognition. It's stuff that takes strategic acumen. And the best part is it's going to go back to inside sales where you're sitting there and you're talking to lots of customers. That's what my book's about. It's about unlocking the humanity. In my view, when you're sitting and clicking and analyzing, that's marketing, it's demand gen, but true sales is, is this face-to-face -face on a zoom in person, if possible, I hope it comes back to that because then we're using a system that's millions of years old or thousands of years old, however you look at it, our brain uh, has not, there's nothing different about our brains than 1910 and 2010. Todd Capone talks about this. The, the sales, the major sales strategies are identical to the 19th century. The way that persuasion works, the way, and so you go back, he goes back and he takes these articles, like 1872, he puts it up and takes a snippet. Looks like something, you know, Marketo put out. It's like, when did it come out? Oh, 1806. <laughs> it's like, wow. So that's what I'm all about is I'm a futurist, but I do this by looking at history. In the book, you have this kind of this cyborg type of image of half machine, half man, and the machine. Mm -hmm. There's attributes of what machines do really well, and there is attributes of what humans do really well. Some of the things you mentioned, which is emotion, seeing some patterns, understanding, you know, empathy, love. Can you talk a little bit about as we are starting to peel back the onion? What is the machine you feel like is definitely better than a human being at. So I have this theory in my groups, which is we want to train machines to be more human and we want to train humans to be more like a machine. Machines are very good at sequential tasks and following a process and then not getting tired. So you look at two mechanisms, what we're all doing in the top funnel worldwide, 50 million of us, small businesses, all the way through the enterprise and mid market is we're sending email. We're sending trillions of emails. We're leaving quite a lot of voicemails. We're making a lot of cold calls. There's these different communication channels. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing them one at a time, a machine could be automating that. 
And if you're doing it generically with a template and sending everyone the same thing, you don't have to do that now. You have machines that automate the one-to-one -one interactions. This already hit marketing with personalization at scale. We can see what everyone's looking through in their shopping cart and you can uh, customize a message to every single one. Um, if you're sending emails one at a time or you're dialing one at a time, it's a bit of a dark age. It's gonna look like the horse and buggy. It's gonna look like, like a typewriter soon. And that's what the book talks about. Do you mind if we go through a normal SDR's day currently, say in an Israeli SaaS process? And then if you can help re-envision re what that looks like maybe in a few years or what technology you would recommend they look at uh, or consider at that moment in their process, would that be all right? Yes. So what happened is the old school is you have the phone and you have the pen and pad. And I still use them because, you know, I'm 41 years old, so I like it. It helps keep me organized. It's more of a device to just remind and be writing down priorities. It's like, you know, writing your goals. When you write with your right hand, you yeah. print on your left side of your brain. But what you're really doing is you're looking at LinkedIn and B2B. You're looking at LinkedIn, 750 million profiles, and you're targeting. And then LinkedIn yep. doesn't give you the email or phone number. So now you're going to Zoom Info yep. or Lead exactly. IQ or Seamless. So you have to get data. Yep. Now I've got all these emails. I can't sit here 50 at a time unless I'm very strategic and doing enterprise accounts. So now I need a sequencer or a sales engagement platform. Well, now I need to do a call block. Well, I'm not going to sit there and dial the phone slowly for eight hours. I'm going to use something like Connect and Sell. I'm going to dump 200 phone numbers in there. I'm going to do eight hours of work in an hour. Mm -hmm. an hour and a half. And so that's the main stack of automation. Well, now I'm remote. I didn't go to the office today. Someone has to listen, maybe. So I've gone or I've course, now part of Zoom Info. Mm -hmm. And then it keeps going. Well, I have 10,000 accounts to work. Which one should I work? Use intent data like Sixth Sense or Bombora or Albacross, my friends in Sweden. And that's going to say, hey, this 5% based on what they're doing on the net, things they're clicking on, ingesting anonymized algorithm, they have a higher propensity to buy. So let me work that part of the patch first. Mm. Now I'm sitting on the front of site and my reps are interacting through drift, through chatbots. Okay. Now I have this huge flux of inbound leads. Let's just let AI process that with Conversica. So these AI, if this, then that decision trees and automations hit it and process the inbound leads and separate out. Cause you know, all from the inbound funnel, you did a big SEM campaign. You got so many MQLs you're drowning in it. Mm. And why don't you have a robot qualified for you? And so every element of the supply chain, of the go-to-market strategy, of the revenue chain, there are automations. And in the book, I outline, outline probably, you know, 100 vendors. And okay. yeah. What Justin just did it. He basically looked through your whole day and then he broke it into which, where are the areas of your day where you can apply technology to uh, massively, exponentially improve it. Now, it, 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 most people even are failing to recognize how much the sales process has really changed already. Let's go into each one of these channels. When I'm looking at creating a creating cadence, how do I, and let's say I assume I know my who my ICP is, how do I leverage technology in order to understand what the trigger events are that could build a cadence around? So an example of that, so, the company I work with, for example, we do supply chain last mile deliveries for massive grocery retail logistics brands. So the ability to make sure that when I order a Chick-fil-A Chick -fil sandwich or Popeye sandwich, I'm going to be able to, as a user, get it very quickly. And I can deploy a lot of different fleets, either the first party fleet that the company owns or DoorDash, Uber. So again, creating a marketplace for the best last mile delivery experience for brands and enterprises. Yeah. So, so the question is how to use these channels together with that scenario? 
so my question would be, how do you see triggering events, right? So there's a lot of different triggers that I would say build a cadence around. How do I automate or how do I build more effective cadences around industry news or things that happen on the company level? Yeah, so industry news and triggers, I would use things like, I think invention got wrapped into demand base, or I'm trying to figure out there's certain, you know, there's the triggers events that are in sales navigator, there's things like Google alerts, there's things that are like job changes, or, you know, it's just sophisticated search, search terms, sometimes it's using sales navigator to curate people in those industry verticals and make a custom list and then use the navigator app. And then you have a custom feed. And now I'm following just the people in the industry. They changed jobs, they had innovation, they shared press. And so I'm using sales navigator as a trigger machine to, for a reason to reach out. And then I reach out because I see that someone had a change. They shared an article and I'm using a curated people list in an app. And every day, like as I'm commuting, I'm checking the app and I'm seeing job changes, funding events, innovation, M&A, regulatory changes. So that's how I do it. I mean, there's a lot of specific technologies about five years ago you could buy. One source invention was one, inside view was one. That's what I'm thinking. I think inside view went to demand. It's so much M&A, but you want to find a trigger event tracker. There's actually a company called trigger.ai down in Australia. They're doing it, but it's, it scrapes the internet for the keyword. You can see it on Crunchbase. G2 mm-hmm. Crowd's one you can use for review data, but you're looking for, for things to trigger, to indicate buying windows, to indicate activity and change in innovation, which could signal a time to engage. That was just some gifts that Justin just shared with us. Triggered that AI, Google Alerts, Sales Navigator, a link, a basic feed that you can follow along on a daily basis to see if there's effect, if those people you want to follow are share relevant news. Okay, perfect. Now, say that cadence is built out, right? And emails are being sent out. How do you view a tech empowered salesperson looking at things like deliverability, right? How do we? How do we get our emails in front of a person? That's one question. Right? The second question would be is, are there any secrets where we could unpack? Like, how do you know if my message, besides open rates, right? And reply rates, is there a way that uh, you've seen technology be leveraged to identify better patterns around email uh, and cadence building an email? Let's first start with that channel. Yeah, sure. So first thing you got to do is you're going to make sure your emails can get delivered. And to yep. do that, you have to check some settings like the DKIM, the SPIF, and the DMARC. These are advanced terms that are security settings for your domain level, your DNS settings. All you're trying to do is make sure your emails are whitelisted and the consortia of global internet service providers and ISPs like your domain. That means you haven't yep. been spamming. You haven't been spending 200 or 400 a day. Once you have the ability to deliver your emails, you spin up a new Gmail address for your rep, and then you slowly warm that address. 25, 25, 50, 50, 75, 75, 100. 100, 100, et cetera. Then it's up to picking sequencers that work for you. And if you have Gmail to Gmail or Outlook to Outlook, it's also what you put in the emails. Get a list of spam words. Make sure that your first email is short and text only. You don't put images early or links or PDFs and you slowly warm the domain. I mean, slowly. Most people can't stand that because they can send over 500 Gmail or 1,000. But if you do that too early, you'll blow your domain and you'll affect your deliverability. One of the things that I I think I saw in your book is links in like things like email signatures or trackers for openings. Like I see a lot of individuals like myself, oh, my emails opened three times the company. That means it's really hot, right? There's like, it's a hot lead in sales loft. Can you talk a little bit about that level of of your opinion? Do you advise that level of tracking to be in play? Do you think those things are accurate? Or do you feel like it's getting in the way of deliverability? So we should just not use that process. 
Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff people are doing. I think you should work manually before you actually sequence. You should just get a Gmail account and you should go after it uh, one at a time. And you should test email one, email two, reply, bump, you know, see how it works to a pool of 50 people, 150 people. Now I do things like video prospecting, video drops. The problem with that in in-mails is any new technology, usually reps try 10. Like I sent 10 in-mails, it didn't work. Yeah. You sent 500 emails. Yeah. So <laughs> let's do a hundred personalized videos, then come back to me. Seriously, if you're thinking about yeah, video and yeah. it's not working for you, have you done a hundred? Yeah. That's, I mean, it's uh, like the gym. You did five pushups. Good luck with that. Let's do a hundred yeah. pushups for three months and see what happens to you. You see, it's the same. It's a cumulative process. All the channels, there's no magic bullet. The only magic bullet really is FedEx envelopes. And if you want to spend $35 per cent, and then what's in that envelope is critical. You know, I'd yeah. take five hours to write that email because that's going to get delivered. So you better have a good value prop, a business case, really thought out, super well researched. It's a realm I call hyper. Hyper personalization is still a new frontier and hyper personalization is created through synthesis and synthesis means that I take Alex and I look at you and I look at, you know, what you're doing here and what you're doing in Israel and what you did in your last podcast and your last, you know, three articles. And I then bring an insight synthesizing four or five pieces of information together. This sounds like what you're saying. It's a physical impression. You're talking to literally FedEx, this in person, this individual at the company. So, you know, he's received it. And the assumption is, that thing better be good when it gets opened up. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. Perfect. So let's talk about the phone then. Okay. We covered a little bit of email. We talked about, okay, make sure that deliverability that can be harmed by immediately starting sending out hundreds of emails that are not personalized to from the same email address and your domain can be basically spoiled. Um, the trackers, you're kind of on the fence about in terms of it affecting your deliverability rate. Do you have a strong opinion one way or another on a open tracker or click tracker? Um, email? I, th I think you can use click trackers. And the thing about a click tracker is first it has to be culturally appropriate because you are stalking a prospect. You know, you're following them, you're sending a pixel and you're tracking it. I work for companies that didn't want to do that. Now, if you're okay yeah. with that, be open about it. Say, I track my pixel. Say, I saw you open seven times. It's all good. You won't yep. get in trouble for that. If you're faking it out that you're not doing it, like anytime you're just honest with the prospect, hey, this is a cold call. Hey, you're in a sequence or hey, I tracked, I saw you open seven times. It's so transparent. You're like, okay, thanks. And then, oh, you're data driven. Your, your software is yep. probably good. Beautiful, beautiful. I like, it's just, are you stalking me? Well, I'm a data driven company that takes you as a prospect seriously. Interesting. Okay. I, li I, like, I like that. Tell me a little bit about cold calling. Where do you see it evolving? The trends that we're seeing right now is, you know, one out of 20, one out of 30 at this point connects on a list that comes from Zoom Info. Uh, people are starting to use dialers like Orem. I know you mentioned connect and sell, phone burner. Can you tell me what you see the current state of phone and where phone is going in the next, uh, say, year or two? Yeah, you're asking the current all the right... state of the current state of phone by Justin Michael. <laughs> yeah, you're asking all the right questions. Or as my mic is haunted, is it power dialer? It's not a power dialer, it's a parallel assisted dialer. Now connect and sell is the leader because of the way it's built, but it's it's a category you want to explore, which is parallel assisted dialers. I'm not going to give it all away. There's four or five. Look on G2 Crowd. It means that multiple phone numbers are dialed at once and then hot switch, but the prospect doesn't know. What it allows for you to do is you can dial hundreds of numbers quickly. If you have your scripts down, you can get fast referrals. 
I'm using it to get lots of referrals. And I might not go in with a personalized research script, but I get in and I get navigated. Hey, are you the right person that handles this? Or I was looking for John, or was it Doug? And I go in and then I follow up with emails after using the parallel assisted dialer. So I've got a list here. I do an hour of work and I've got seven referrals. Would you be comfortable sharing with us what a, a list like what a, a script like that would sound just the first 30 seconds? And when you mean a referral, they would imply that you're not actually talking to decision makers, right? You're actually asking for them to give you the name of the person you need to talk to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say, are you the appropriate person that handles CRM? Are you the appropriate person that uh, handles fraud analytics? Are you the appropriate person who does whatever it is? Because I assume that a third of the time the data is bad and a third of the time they don't do it. And so I get transferred over. So you're asking without giving your value prop, are you doing a permission-based opener in that case in the beginning? Like, I know, I know you didn't expect my call. Can I have 27 seconds to ask to share why I'm calling? Or do you go straight into without even saying who you are? Hi, just is Justin curious if you're the person who's handling X, Y, and Z. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. Justin, tell me a little bit about so with, with, with that process, what I'm concerned about is with dialers like say or let's say connect and sell, that the, the phone channel will just be overwhelmed, right? It's gonna be basically something that's gonna that, that's going to push companies like T-Mobile, like let's say Apple, Androids, just to, to effectively limit the ability to do a call call or a robo call, which I know is different. So where do you see this opportunity looking like in the year or two? Do you still see people picking up? Yes, I think people will continue to answer the phone. And, but I think there'll be a lot more spam regulation. And I think phones will work forever. Yeah, I, I'm a huge proponent of the phone. And I think Omnichannel is the solution. Awesome. Uh, do you think about, do you see the rates of decision makers getting, picking up the calls go lower or why are you so confident bullish on the phone? Why, why do you phone will never it? go away because the more there's automation around email, the less people have to use phone. It's a paradox. So the less they call and the more open they are and the better cell phone data, the more you get direct. So right now is the best time ever to call. Go, go sit with a thousand software reps and see how many call all day. Barely any. You have robo spam. You have these 10 operations offshore, but the actual software sellers who are listening to me, that's my niche. If you pick up a phone, you start hitting lead IQ data or seamless data, you start calling the cell phones, you're going to be amazed how many times you get through. Now you put that into automation, game over, and mix it with email, game over. We've covered a lot of you know, very tactical conversations around phone, email, process. Talk to me about how you see reps becoming better at, at what they're actually doing. How do they actually tr become better at the things that only them as humans can do? process so my book's all about tq technology quotient it's take interest in RevOps. take interest in your tech stacks if you take just this away if you want to stay relevant in the future learn the tech systems most of the people doing sales operations revenue operations they don't code all they do is they dust off the instruction manual join communities like wizard of ops brad smith read my book follow salesborgs.ai shameless plug get involved go from excel to sql just learn a little bit give yourself a chance be less technology avoidant you'll be amazed at how that protects you and future-proofs your career. Amazing. Justin, you've been given such such gifts to the community. What's the best way for people to reach out to you and also just get in, get in front of your book and your thought leadership? You can find my book. It's Tech Powered Sales, techpoweredsalesbooks.com. So techpoweredsalesbook.com. And yeah, I will see all of you soon. Awesome. You just know, I told Justin, I, I'm officially the first person to have bought his book to be shipped to Israel hardcover. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. I guess it. I'll be hosting the launch party somewhere around October. 
You got it. Thank you. Thanks, Justin.